Welcome to the Everything Music Ed podcast. I'm your host, Tom Borning. In this podcast, we'll hear from educators, performing musicians, composers, conductors, and others about their experiences in learning, teaching, and performing music. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram to find out about upcoming episodes, and be sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, suggestions, or you have any show ideas, please feel free to email me at everythingmusiced at gmail.com. In today's episode, we talk with Scotty West. It was a pleasure talking to Scotty today as he is a former teacher of mine. I met Scotty as an 8th grader when I started taking guitar, but let me tell you, Scotty is not your average run-of-the-mill guitar teacher. Scotty is very unique in the way that he thinks about music and teaches music. I hope you enjoy Scotty West. ensemble is it still playing oh yeah 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 yeah. uh as a matter of fact we're doing a live concert video uh second weekend of march as a matter of fact Uh, kind of a document of all the stuff we've been doing all these years but uh you know i i feel bad that i've never gone to a show there was one time i was gonna go i think you were playing a mashby or something yep and then i couldn't go or something i can't remember what happened but and um Burke is still playing. Yep, Burke, Burke's yep. still playing. Ewe and, or whatever. Uh, and sax and flute, and yeah. and he just got a brand new Roland Ewe. I haven't seen it yet, oh, but yeah? he's working on programming it and oh, getting those it ready are so to go. Cool. I oh my gosh, like my favorite trumpet player had a sax player in his band that would pull out the Ewe for a couple of tunes, and oh my gosh, I used to love that during Birdland. He'd pull it out. It so, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. so cool. Um, how about you? How's uh, how's things going? You're at the school, and uh, yeah, do, are you playing with a band or anything? You know, I was playing with a big band. Um, we rehearse every Wednesday night in Marlboro, so I was driving an hour and ten minutes there and back every Wednesday night. But it was worth it to play. Like for me, like I love big band music. Yeah, yeah. It, it was worth it to me to do that. And to stay in shape and have fun and have that musical outlet. You know, it's like, as I'm sure you know, like you teach, do you still teach a lot? I mean, oh, yeah. I assume you teach a lot of lessons. It's like, you, it's really easy to forget when you're a teacher that you're all, uh, you're also a musician. Yeah, yeah. And you want to perform. Exactly. You play, yeah. you know? Um, and so I made it a point to, I joined this band and it was a lot of fun. But now it's like I'm just sort of freelancing around playing weddings and GB bands. and Oh, nice. Whatever, whoever will hire me. Use pit orchestras. I do a lot of pit orchestra work. Uh-huh. So that's fun, too. I love doing that. I'm here with Scotty West. So Scotty West, this is going to be a little bit different. You know, like uh, I've had composers and conductors and uh, school music educators on here. Um, Scotty taught me guitar lessons. And I say guitar lessons, but it was a lot more than guitar lessons, which we'll talk about later. Um, but you taught me guitar lessons when I was like 8th, ninth ish probably even a little bit in the 10th grade, I think, back yep. in the day. So we'll, I'll, date, I'll date us here on that. That's I'm going to go 19, end of 88 into 89. Wow, that's far back. Yeah. Oh, 90, 90. I was thinking it was in the 90s sometime. But. Yeah, it was definitely early 90s, but we definitely started... 88-ish, 80, well, probably 89. Yeah, 89 probably started. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy that you're here, and uh, thanks yeah, for well, coming. Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity. Um, So we always start off here. Uh, we talk about, like, what you remember about early childhood music for you, whether it be your family or especially, like, you know, any music teachers that had an influence on you when you were a kid or, like, what you remember about 
school music when you were growing up? Like what? Um, oh, sure. Go through your school years. Um, my mother was a symphony violinist. Um, she was, uh, I grew up in Manchester, Connecticut, and uh, my mother was a founding member and longtime personnel director for the Manchester Symphony. Oh. And she also subbed for the Hartford Symphony, which was like the big, mm-hmm. uh, the big orchestra in our area. And um, so I was always, there was always music in my house. And um, my mother was, you know, essentially uh, classical and Broadway. And so I was kind of raised on all that stuff. Um, still love that stuff to this day. Um, I, I, I start. she started me with piano lessons when I was six and, um, I didn't really do too well with my first piano teacher. She was kind of the stuffy old classical type. I was probably just a little bit too young at that point. And, um, but I, I always say I really became self-motivated to play music when I was 10 and that was 64 and the Beatles had hit and um uh, the rest is kind of history uh i the the um the music program in my hometown i have kind of mixed reviews about uh, some of the really early stuff i remember we had a, a teacher named miss white that was really very good i remember our entire 5th grade class in my grammar school was one giant uh chorus and mm-hmm. i and she had us doing three part harmony you know, in, in fifth grade, which fascinated me. Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of the other guys, you know, they were like, uh, what is this? But I was like, I, I knew no music theory at that point, other than what little I might have picked up in my piano lessons. But it was like, I was fascinated that, and I'd look across to the other two groups, you know, and I'd go, they're singing these notes, and I'm singing this note. What kind of relationship do they have? How come they sound good together? And, and I think that's where my... Uh, my my curiosity about music theory probably started. Um, Also in fifth grade, I started playing clarinet in, in the, and then into the school band. And I played clarinet all the way through high school. And, and I, we had some good band directors and some not so great band directors. Um, uh, I was in the marching band, um, you know, playing at football games and stuff like that. And, um, and so that, that was, you know, all, and so I started playing guitar, you know, uh, I think I started playing baritone ukulele first because I was a little too small. My aunt was a music teacher and we would go to her house and I, they had guitars around the house, but they were like too big for me. I was a pretty small kid around that time and they had a baritone ukulele, which is the top four strings of the guitar. And I said, oh, well, I can start here. And then probably I was 12, I got my first guitar and uh, largely self-taught on the guitar for the first few years and then took some lessons. And uh, uh, But always had a natural curiosity about how music works and um, and it's just kept going uh, uh, ever since then. Uh, my original career, I, I actually have a degree in the visual arts. Um, I, my initial uh, career plan was really more geared towards the visual arts, uh, mm-hmm. uh, painting and photography. And uh, that's so but, funny because I do remember. I don't know why I didn't think of it until you just said that, but I do remember. Like I feel like you used to make, you used to make your own ads. And oh sure, you yeah, you would yeah. like do. I don't want to call it cartooning or but drawing or whatever. It was sure. And like I literally hadn't thought about it till right now, and like it, I'm looking back and in my head, it was really incredible. Oh well, thank you. That's yep. wow! I totally forgot about that until you just said that. And then, of course, I have my famous picture of me with the six arms yes. uh, playing three yeah. different instruments, which is I still use that to this day. As yeah. a matter of fact, um, it, it's very people recognize it as mm-hmm. they've seen it a million times. So it's a good sure. draw. So you got a degree. So you went to college. Yes. And yep. And I uh, got a, de- a degree in visual arts. Yep, I have a BFA from the Hartford Art School at the University of Hartford, which is on the oh, same campus as uh, Art the Hart School, School of Music. I took some courses there just for academics, uh, history of Western music, and uh, Jackie McLean, a famous uh, jazz saxophone player, history of jazz, and mm-hmm. um, it, it, that's the only, I, I don't actually have a degree in music, but uh, right, sure. that, that was a uh, a, a wonderful treat to have that on the same campus there. Well, wow, I went to a lot just... of concerts. Uh, the uh, One of the uh, professors there was, for a time, actually, the um, conductor of my mother's orchestra, too. Uh, what was his name? Mariosius. 
Vitautus mm. Mariotius. Oh wow! Was okay. the uh, conductor and also a professor at uh, at heart. Uh, nice. Wow. Well, this even makes it me even more curious. Then that's really incredible because I I, I want I always want to have different types of educators and different types of um, people coming on this podcast. And one of the things I remember about you is that you know besides you being really good at like picking up picking up tunes being able to like like I would come into you and be like to this day I can still play Angel Eyes by Jeff Healy uh-huh. because I came in and I said I would like to learn this uh-huh. and I remember how quickly you learned that you just were like oh okay you had not I don't think anyways like looked it up I literally just came in and yep. you quickly went bing bang boom here's the chords wrote it down on like a little like whatever like a quick format and I just remember being like you know as a eighth ninth grader being like I cannot believe how fast he just did that mm. and that's funny because a lot of times I think I'm kind of slow at it because I, I think the Berkeley guys could probably do it twice as fast as me but uh, uh, but yeah you yeah, know no, no I, that's always been a stock and trade of my teaching is you know whatever you want to play I'll do my best uh to uh, to get you on the on the hunt and uh, back in those days there was no internet and you know one of my great mottos is the sheet music is always wrong um, for a number of different reasons and uh, particularly with guitar po- you know popular guitar music mm-hmm. and so I realized I really didn't have much choice uh, other than to be able to figure this stuff out by ear and the the, the more uh, music theory I learned, and the better my ears were trained, and I had some great yeah, so ear how, training coaches. So, when you say learn, like how you just like self-taught music theory, or what? Like uh, a, a lot of it, particularly in the early days, and and then I had a wonderful experience um, towards the end of the eighties. Really, when I just started to begin uh, teaching, uh, a good old friend of mine from my hometown, uh, Jim Healy, was the founding member, and they're still around today of, of a band called Mass Confusion. And uh, they were all uh, UConn graduates. And uh, I was living on the Cape at that point, and they were still back in Connecticut. But uh, uh, they wanted to come up in the summertime and uh, play gigs on the Cape. And I had rooms to rent in my house uh, at the time. And so for like three summers, these guys all lived in my house. And it was an incredible experience for me because they were always rehearsing in the living room. And I picked up a lot of stuff just... Uh, listening to them rehearse and asking them questions about what they were doing. And two of them in particular turned out to be great teachers of mine. Uh, Dan May was a young uh, prodigy uh, piano player, uh, already had his master's in composition, was doing film score music and everything. And um, he was really a wonderful teacher of mine. And uh, also Richard Brookins, who uh, was the uh, saxophonist uh, for that band and uh, learned a lot about improvisation and modes and uh, stuff from him. So that was a huge chunk. And, you know, from there on, it, it that got me uh, enough of a foundation that I was able to, you know, continue my own studies on the subject. And uh, I think I'm reasonably uh, reasonably knowledgeable in music theory. Most of the way out, uh, uh, I, I don't... I, I play music that's that's kind of like jazz, but it's mostly stuff that I re, that I compose myself. I, I fall just short of calling myself a jazz musician, but um, certainly those, those those are a lot of my great influences are mm. um, are the, the Pat Metheny's and the Chick Coreas oh, yeah. and the, uh, uh, one of my all time heroes is Ralph Towner. I don't know whether you know him. Mm. Uh, nope. Do you know the group Oregon uh, oh, Quartet? Yeah, yeah yep. he's kind of the leader of Oregon. And, oh, okay. Um, and uh, has a lot of wonderful solo work too. And uh, mm. uh, Pat Metheny is unbelievable. Oh yeah, but I, his keyboard player. As a matter of fact, the most recent, my most recent composition, oh, Lyle Mays. Lyle Mays. Yeah. Uh, our, my most recent composition is called "Our Friend Lyle," which the band is playing now, and it's kind of a tribute to Lyle Mays. And it, it, as it started to develop, it sounded more and more like a Pat Metheny group tune. So oh, cool. Uh, we dedicated it oh. to to uh, Lyle, who passed away like a couple of years ago now, I guess. Mm. So. You can never know every, any everything about music, you know. And so, I was watching an interview with Pat Metheny, 
and he started talking about how him and Jaco Pastorius and there was another guy played with Joni Mitchell. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm like, "What?" And he's like, yeah. and and there's a live video of I, th- I think it was Lyle. I think uh, I think he and Lyle Oh, was it? Oh, it was Lyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. Lyle. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And I'm like so I immediately there's a live album of this concert and there's video of the concert like yep. live at like Newport Jazz maybe or something something like that. It is the coolest thing watching little Jaco and Pat Metheny like oh it's breathtaking. Yeah, I've seen that. that I mean video. it's not you know it was really like a lot of those t- like the words and like the melodies are sort of contrived that she had like it I think that's why it was like a lot of those tunes weren't necessarily mainstream like some of her other oh yeah beautiful pieces that she wrote. Yeah, um, she's another one of my all-time heroes. Uh, really, uh, if not simply for her music, for the, the the fact that I really considered her to be, you know, a really great artist uh, in the sense that that her art came first, and whether she ever made any money at it or not always came in second. You know, she had a huge career as a folk musician. She gave that up and uh, uh, lost a lot of her audience to, to go into popular music. And, and then eventually she got tired of that and started going into jazz and lost her audience again. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't seem to matter. She just yeah. kept on going, writing yeah. more and more interesting music. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. That That is a stunning video. Like, As a matter yeah. of fact, I, I happen oh. to see that she's going to be on the Grammys. I don't know whether they're giving her a... Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award or something, oh. which I think the Grammys are coming up in. Uh, is it might even be tomorrow night? Is it? Oh wow! Or, or is it next week? Um, I don't it's coming know up, that though. answer, but yeah. I think you're right. It is soon. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Um, yeah, because she she was at Newport Jazz Festival this year too. There's, uh-huh. there's some video footage of that out there too. Um, I wasn't really aware. I know she had some health issues. Yeah, she had for some a while. health issues, but she did put together. Yeah, I think. Like someone, someone else did most of the singing, and she'd join in when she felt like she could also sing along and not ruin the tune. Uh-huh. You know, I feel like that's from the short amount of clips that I saw from it. That's what it seemed like. So, um, there's another wonderful thing. If you ever get a chance to see it, I, I, I can't find the entire thing. They, they just have excerpts from it. But the old USA Network. This is years ago. They had a show called Coast to Coast, and it was a music program. And one night they had this band, and it was Joni Mitchell, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, oh, Bobby McFerrin. Um, I forget who was on drums, and um, I think it was Ron Carter on bass. And that was just amazing. That oh, was amazing. Word. Yeah, and if, if if you look it up, there's there's chunks of it on YouTube, but I've yeah. never been able to watch the whole thing again. But I was just spellbound. Oh, um, I. I, I say this all the time. Can't, I, I could I could lose I could lose days on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, sure. Watching yep, all yep. those old performances are just, just breathtaking. Yeah. It's, it's that the fact that I could hear an interview, and they talk about a performance, and I go click click click. I'm going to watch that entire performance right now. It's incredible. It's, There's so much there. It's, it's incredible. Um. So one thing I I remember. Because, you know, I already said, you know, I remember how quickly you learned tunes. But another thing I remember, you had, like, Scotty's, oh, boy, it's going to bother me that I don't remember the exact number, which I know every now and then would change, like, Scotty's five keys of music or six whatever. And it was like, you know, rhythm timbre yep. it was like i remember it, silence was in there sometimes oh I think. yeah that that was another little uh, area uh, yeah but um yeah yeah i, I still my uh, my curriculum is still uh i mean it's Im- improved and and other things have been added over the years but the foundation of the program is still probably a lot like uh, what you we did way back then the, one of the first things i uh do with people is uh my whole way of thinking about music and teaching music is to suggest that music is very much like a language. And so we make sure that they understand that, that that language has an alphabet with 12 units in it. You'd be stunned how many people don't know that sometimes even year after years of music lessons, other places, you know, they, they never quite got the message that the sharps and flats are just as important and just as common. So I get that out of the way. And then, um, 
the next thing I talk about is the six main areas of music. M- music is a language, and it has six parts of speech, and those are pitch, rhythm, timbre, dynamics, technique, and notation. And um, uh, get them to understand what those concepts are so that they can have a checklist at the end, end of any particular thing they play, uh, any particular song they play, that they can kind of rattle off pitches about what notes you play and what patterns you arrange the notes in. So did I play the r- right notes? Did I keep with the beat? Timber, did I have the right sound quality for, uh, for the song? Uh, dynamics, of course, is just uh, loudness or, or in, imbued with certain emotional aspects like intensity or mellowness and stuff like that. Technique, of course, facilitates all of those different areas uh, of music. And then notation is all about reading music. And uh, and uh, then another big core of my program is uh, going into pitch, because I always say pitch is like the largest area of music that you have to acquire facts about, um, what, how to take those 12 notes and arrange them into different patterns and then arrange those patterns into larger patterns. Uh, so um, you get notes and, and you uh, combine them together to make a chord, say, and then you combine the chords together to make a chord progression. And so uh, a larger patterns built up of smaller patterns. And when you go to learn those patterns, I say like, like any word in any language, they exist like simultaneously in four different dimensions. This might've been a little different. I I think this evolved uh, uh, later than when you were taking lessons. Um, But uh, each of these patterns exists like simultaneously in four different dimensions. And so you owe it to yourself to try to learn them all four ways. And those four ways, I always say they're going to carve this on my tombstone, is uh, think it, read it, hear it, speak it. Uh, So uh, thinking is the music theory stuff. Reading, of course, is notation. Uh, above all, I stress the ear training stuff. If, if, there's, mm-hmm. if I have any success at figuring out tunes and composing music and being able to improvise, it's all because of my ears. And Oh, I should mention another uh, one of the great... Oh, how could I have not talked about this? Another one of the absolute great teachers I had was the late, great Dick Wetmore, who was a world-class jazz violinist who lived here on the Cape for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and was a great mentor to a lot of us uh, young players uh, back in the 80s and into the 90s and uh, passed away a few years ago, moved to Naples, Florida. But uh, I did literally hundreds of hours of uh, lessons with him, ear tra- primarily ear training stuff. And, of mm-hmm. course, that, that you know facilitated. And I, I still think ears is really the most important skill that you have to develop as a musician, um, but of course, how are you going to train your ears if you don't have a reasonable knowledge of theory? So they kind of go hand in hand in my program. But think it, read it, hear it, speak it. Uh, music theory, ear training, notation, and speaking. People go, speak, I came here to play the guitar. And I go, well, in that sense, your guitar speaks for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's all the technique stuff, learning to manipulate the instrument so that whatever comes into your head, uh, you know, you can actually get out on the instrument, so... Well, I I actually always remember. It's really funny how how many things I remember about you know when I think about like my overall music education career. I just remember a lot of things from you, and one thing I remember would be like, I can. Uh, how would you phrase it? You would phrase it say something along the lines of. I can sing a better solo than I can play or something along those lines. Like, oh, no, it, it, close. Uh, I, I always say, and I don't, I don't mean this 100%, it, but it, to, to encourage people to see how important ear training is, right. uh, I always say uh, you will never play a better guitar, guitar solo than you can sing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Same, same idea, yeah. which is hugely important. Um, and it's really funny, in, in Falmouth... Um, this is probably like we're probably going back six years now, but for the last for a couple of those his junior and senior year, there was a kid who played trumpet. I started on trumpet in fifth and sixth grade, um, and he was always pretty good, real smart kid, um, good soccer player too, actually, as I recall, um, Nathaniel Evans, and um, he he started taking online jazz trumpet lessons um, with. Matt Letter, L-E-D-E-R. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but um, Matt is a phenomenal jazz trumpet player. 
uh, down in the New Orleans area and basically taught him, helped him realize that he had perfect pitch, this student of mine, and helped him realize that he had perfect pitch. And then once my student like basically had a, had gotten his technique up to a point where like he could play all the scales and modes and everything like that. You should have heard this kid improvise. Yikes. I mean, because every single, you know, cause he basically like the trumpet became an extension of what he was singing in his head because yeah, that's it. everything that, you know, if he's like, I'm going to play, it's matched up to his fingers because he knows the technique and he knows what the note is. Yep, yep. It's incredible. And I'm like, wow, I like, I'll, you know, that's just not me, whatever. I, you know, I'll chalk it up to, you know, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, whenever I think, I think of him and I think about you saying that, what, what, say the statement one more time. You can never. You'll never play. A, and, you know, you can apply it to any instrument. Yeah, but, right. But, yeah. Uh, you will never play a better solo than you can sing. Yeah, I, yeah. I could not agree more. And and that when you're when you're soloing and you're really soloing, there there's a there, there's I have a funny saying. Uh, there's a lot of people that kind of have uh, some reputation for improvising, but in a funny kind of way, they're not really improvising. Uh, I I derogatorily call them lick barfers. That they're they're not really inventing something; they're just barfing up some lick they learned off some old Eric Clapton record or something. And hey, there's bar, lick barfing is a wonderful thing, but if that's all you can do, it's kind of like uh, that's not so hot either. Um, so the the really creative stuff is if you can hear the hear things in your mind and have uh, you know have ideas about it in in your mind, and if you can then get them out on your instrument, that's that's I think the most interesting soloing you can do. Yeah. I, and I always think back too. I always, you know, because I just, I, I think, I don't know this because you're the only guitar teacher I ever had. But I just think, you know, there are lots of, um, you know, I have a bunch of students that take guitar lessons from random people around, you know, the Cape or whatever. But I have a hard time believing that a lot of them would get this type of information that I got from you one and two, like I remember there'd be times where like, okay, we just learned this song. We just worked on this thing that you wanted me to work on for this, this lesson. We just played that. Oh, we got, we got a couple minutes left. Um, and you'd sit down at the piano and you'd say, sing the third of this chord. Oh yeah. That's the whole ear training thing. You yep. know? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think your average Joe Schmo hey, eighth, ninth, 10th grade kid going to take guitar lessons is getting that from their guitar teacher. Well, that's what they tell me. I, I get a lot of students who have taken lessons other places and just it didn't work. There's a lot of fine teachers out there, but there's a lot of really horrible teachers out right. there too. And everybody teaches a different way. You don't get yeah. me wrong, you know, but I just, I, I don't know. Because then I think, you know, when I took music theory in high school as a junior and senior, I was like, yeah, I did this was uh, you know, it was basically every Friday the way uh Tony Stevens taught us music theory. Every Friday was um a dictation day, ear training day, uh-huh. which was really cool and I actually took that when I taught music theory at Falmouth High School for a while. Um every Friday was notations. Like, you know, we'd start off, even if it was week 1 of music theory that we'd start off with chord notes and half notes, just rhythmic do- notation. Yep. And then melodic dictation, and then, you know, and then rhythm and notation. You know, it was really, really helpful. And I was like, man, I had such a head start on that because I had those lessons with you. Oh, it that's nice. Really nice. Always nice to hear. Um, yeah, and then even going to college, it was like, so so many of my classmates struggled with ear training, and I was like, got it. And uh, do you know about my home study program, too? Well, I was literally just going to ask you about that. Yep. Is Because you have, it, it's like a uh, an online, it's an online thing, or you buy it, or how, because I know you came out with this, because I had, I had inquired for you for another student at one point, and you were like, well, actually, I have this uh-huh. program. And so, yeah, talk about that. Um, yeah, in, in 1995, um the the video revolution was just sort of beginning, although it hadn't really caught on to the internet yet. 
and I, I had this idea, gee, I have this very organized program. Uh, and what, uh, you know, I think what's good about my method of teaching is it's graduated, like it's, it's uh, comprehensive and it's graduated. Uh, when I first started teaching, kind of my observation was what was wrong with a, a lot of the way I was taught coming up was they would give you a lot of scattered facts about music, but there were, you really couldn't get the big picture. You really couldn't get the, uh, how everything kind of worked together. So when I started teaching, I kind of set it as my goal, you know, what do you, what do you tell them first? And then after they get that, what do you tell them next? For example, as we mentioned a little while ago, the six main areas of music and the four ways to know your pitch patterns uh, were the very first things I would tell people. And then it's on to uh, whatever comes next and whatever comes next. And uh, I said to myself, gee, I ought to put this on video. I could reach more people that way. And I worked on that for like five years and we created the absolutely understand guitar video home study program. And, um, it, it initially it was on VHS. It was 30, it's 32 hours of instruction. Um, and then of course the DVD revolution came along. So we put everything on DVD and we sold them on the internet for all of these years for uh, tw- we launched in 2000 so for uh 22 years we sold them uh online uh the 16 DVDs and it also comes with a 150 page uh support material package that has this is specifically for guitar although it's it, it, anyone would be able to get a lot of music theory uh stuff from it as well and ear training stuff from it as well but um uh the, the whole thing ultimately in the end kind of suffered from my total ineptness as a business person. And it never really sold the way I would have liked it to have. And I, I've tried over the years to get people interested in marketing it. But uh, so the exciting news is that just this year I decided that's it. I've had enough. Um, I'm just going to put it up on YouTube for free. And it, it's actually on YouTube for free now. We have a Absolutely Understand Guitar uh, channel on YouTube, and all 32 hours are streaming there for free. And so it's, it's, if I do say so myself, it's a wonderful course. And um, there, the handbook, um, which goes along with all the video lessons, you can purchase from us for nineteen ninety five, which is quite a bargain in itself. And we've uh, sold, oh, geez, hundreds of them uh, so far and i've gotten nothing but positive feedback from I hope the whole some thing. of your artwork in there um <laughs> it, well actually in a way the, the in a way the whole thing is because uh, i designed uh and i would not have been able to do that without my art training but uh not a lot of drawings or anything but all kinds of charts and graphs and sure. uh finger charts and everything i designed all that stuff um oh uh, what was it who i don't know why i just remembered this I have another student who must be taking guitar, and they came in with one of your slide. Uh, oh sure, um, chord what was charts his, or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh my what gosh, was, who uh, was that? Not Ronan, was it? No. That name's familiar. No, uh, I, I'll think of his name in a minute. Um, I can picture him. But it's so funny because I remember you even back in the day messing around with this. Like, yeah, t- yeah. like it was different, but this was like so just. Oh, you want a uh, you know the 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 notes that are in a C augmented chord? Yep, it's you pull right there. it over to here, and it's like a, just like a slide. You slide the thing through, and it just shows you all the note names of pitches yep. that are in it. And it was like, Boy, oh back, my gosh! Yeah, the the new one. Oh, what was his name? Because he didn't last with me too long. Um, yeah, and I want to say I think you told him to show it to me. Yes, I, I, as a matter of fact, I think I gave him one to give to you. As oh, a matter yeah, of fact, yeah, yeah, I. I, I think I still have it on my desk. It, wow. Yeah, that's really funny. But Alden? Any, anyway, Alden? Was that his name? There, I have an Alden. Yep. I'm blanket. Oh, Alden, yeah. Yeah. He's in seventh grade now. Yep. And he plays flute and guitar. Now we got the kid. And I, I, think he, I think the only reason he didn't last with me was his parents figured that they'd get enough education from the, the stuff at school and they didn't want to pay the extra money to, mm. for the private lessons. So he, yeah. he seemed to be doing well and he said he'd oh, yeah. come back at some point. But He's uh, a great kid. Yeah, he wow. was doing well. Uh, and yeah. I, I would help him. He would bring in um, sheet music from the band and yep. I'd help him work his way through that. Yep, yep. Wow. Yep. That's right. He showed. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. Good kid. I think he went to private school. That's always a bummer because now it's like. 
Oh, that was it. Right. Yeah, exactly. All those music lessons sort of, you know, I hate to hate to badmouth so I won't be specific, but the, the music programs at the private schools just aren't as good as the, yeah. as the public schools. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> but um uh anyways, yeah, I was wondering about that cuz I remember it was years ago that I had asked you maybe to like oh, I just was like, oh, I have this guitarist i need him to, i want him to get to the next level and you're like oh i have this whole video now and yep. you know it's exactly the same program i teach in the private lessons other than the fact that it doesn't have the specific uh okay what song do you want to learn right. uh, thing obviously how can i do that for a mass audience sure like that? But all the theory stuff all the ear training all there all in a nice concise package um yeah uh you know, what allowed me to do that program was the fact that I'd already been teaching private lessons for like, like was like 16 years at that point. And um, a lot of the stuff was just almost like uh, speeches I would recite. Uh, people find it unbelievable. I, I did all of those 32 hours um, with no cue cards. And um, very few edits in the end, because all I basically did was just pretend that the cameras were my private student, right. and I just right. talked to the cameras the way I, I talked to my students. And I um, had big blown up uh, finger charts and everything, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's really a very, a very exciting product, if I do say so myself. Uh, so anybody out there, you know, free, free basically freshman, at least sophomore college level uh, complete education in uh, music theory uh, applied to the guitar and uh, ear training, all in that pr- in that program. Beautiful. Absolutely understand guitar on yeah. YouTube. I think it's challenging for a lot of band directors out there. Like, you know, you can't know all the instruments, and then sure. you know, we we go as band directors, we go to college, and we learned how to play all the wind and percussion instruments. But then we have jazz band, and we got to know bass and guitar and we got to be i mean they we got to be able to do them and you know so you have to teach a bass player how to walk a bass line yep you got to teach a guitar player to like can you turn that major chord into a minor chord can you turn that can we turn that into a seven chord can we turn that into a major seven chord can we add a ninth in there you know all these little things like let's figure out how to do that you know and then uh that's that's always very interesting. So, I think those types of tips, uh, like knowing your way around a guitar neck a little bit, is very, uh, very helpful. And yeah. I still, I can still go back to my old, my old little things uh, that I got from you too. So, mm. that's good. Um, so you you leave high school, you go to college, get your visual arts degree, and then. How how did you one maybe would be how did you end up on the Cape, and then two like when did you decide to like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna teach private music lessons yeah like yep. your thing, um because, well actually I'll go back to college a little bit um because there were some really pivotal things that happened to me there I I because of my mother's influences um I I I, I like to think that I was always pretty much involved with pretty serious music. Like when it came to rock uh, and popular music, I, I was the more the prog rock kind of guys. My high school heroes were like Yes and uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer and King Crimson. Um, I didn't I didn't pay a lot of attention to the blues rock thing. I, I thought Led Zeppelin was kind of interesting and Jimi Hendrix was kind of interesting. But I needed music that had, I think, more substance to it. And... and um, so I was going along that way perfectly fine. And then uh, there was a pivotal night. My then girlfriend, there was this wonderful club in um, Willimantic, which was near the Storrs uh, University of Connecticut campus. And, and sometimes I, I always say, sometimes I think it's a dream I had. But no, it was real. It was a place called the Shabu Inn. And because of its proximity to the Yukon campus and it being about halfway in between Boston and um, New York, you would not believe the people that played the Shabu Inn. I can just give you a few names. Uh, the police played the Shabu Inn. It was this hokey old barn out in the middle of nowhere. We would get lost whenever we tried to find it. But it was this huge barn that had been converted into a nightclub. 
and um, and they, they had oh geez anybody you could name uh, uh, Miles Davis played there John Coltrane played there uh, uh, all the jazz guys all the rock guys uh, ACDC uh, uh, all the folk guys uh, I can't tell you all the people that I, that I saw there. But, but anyway, back to my story, my then girlfriend goes, um, we got to go to the Shabu tonight. There's this guy there, they're uh, playing guitar. His name is Larry Coriel. And I said, who's that? She goes, Oh, I don't know. She was reading the paper. She goes, well, it's got, they got a really good write up on him. He's like really phenomenal guitar player. Did you know Larry Coriel? No, yeah. No. Yeah. And, uh, that was one of the pivotal nights of my life. I sat there with my mouth open the whole night. Um, it, it was my first introduction to, um, to fusion, to jazz fusion. Okay. Um, like and he was McLaughlin, Mike Stern type of thing. Yeah. For example, okay, yeah. that he did, uh, at least one out. Al- I think he did two albums with John McLaughlin, as a matter okay. of fact. And, um, and I had never heard music like that before. You know, I was in the school band. I, I had heard Miles Davis and, and Coltrane and, and those guys back in the seventies when I was in the school band, but somehow it just didn't, I wasn't ready to, to, to accept it yet. I still had a uh, ways to go before it was going to seep into my brain and, and make sense to me like, Oh, I see where these guys are going. And I immediately, uh, for example, then people said to me, um, oh, if you like Larry Coriel, you're going to like John McLaughlin. So I became a huge um, Mahavishnu Orchestra fan. They actually played at University of Connecticut um, my uh, freshman year, um, uh, which was a, a great concert. And um, so that that was my uh, foray into jazz. And eventually along came uh, all the guys, Herbie Hancock, uh, Chick Corea, Pat Metheny, uh, all those guys started flooding into my consciousness. And uh, so then I moved to the Cape. I moved to the Cape because my grandparents had uh, retired here. And so we came up every summer, uh, my father's vacations in the summer, we were up here and I, I pretty much knew from the, I just loved the place from, from the age of probably 10 years old. I, I knew I was going to live up here. And, um, I tell the funny story, the, the day I graduated from college, they handed me my diploma at 11 AM and I was on the road to Cape Cod at like 1 PM and, uh, <laughs> never, never looked back. And, uh, still here we are today. Um, um, I had a wonderful career as a printmaker for several years when I first moved to the Cape. Um, the pol- and then the politics of that uh, studio started to get kind of weird, and I could see that there wasn't so much of a future for me there. And the, I was playing a lot of guitar, and, and those guys, like I say, that lived in my house there for those summers, they had gotten me pretty much on my theory and ear training stuff. And one day, just a friend of mine's son said to me, um, gee, you play guitar pretty good. You want to give me some lessons? And it was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. And um, I uh, I found out I was good at it. And uh, then I had two students. As a matter of fact, uh, my second, for people on the Cape here, my second guitar student of all times was a friend of my first guitar student. His name was Jake Block, who was like a son of a friend of mine. But my second guitar student was Eric Short, who uh, is still the hardest working guy in show business on Cape Cod, plays out all the time. He's the uh, instrument technician at Charlie's Music Store in Hyannis. Great Mm -hmm. guy, uh, excellent musician. And then I had five students, then I had 10 students, and then I couldn't do it in my house anymore because I was making too much noise. And so uh, I wound up teaching at Charlie's Music uh, in Hyannis from 1986. I started teaching in 84, and I I taught out of the house for the first two years, and then in '86 I moved into Charlie's Music, and I was there until 2010, and then we struck out on our own first to Katuit, uh, and uh, now we're in Sandwich, and uh, it's just been a wonderful career. It's been the wonderful people I've met and the fun I've had. Uh, I I still enjoy the heck out of teaching to this day, and uh, and uh, wow. it's been very good to me. So you're like, what, four days a week? How often do you teach? I'm just teaching two days a week now. Okay. Um, the, it is an interesting, uh, I, I would probably do more, except I, I, I kind of say I'm like semi-retired at this point. But sure. um, of course, another big interesting story is what the internet did to the private music lesson business, Ooh, yeah, which, sure. which uh, around 2003, I started to notice my uh, enrollment was kind of going down. And I was having more and more difficulty uh, getting students. And it suddenly dawned on me one day what it was, was the video revolution on uh, on the Internet. And uh, 
people were going there more than taking private lessons. And, and I, I eventually was down to where I, I was, I had like a half a dozen students a week and I had to give up my studio in Hyannis, um, and moving out to Katua, it built back up again. But I, t- I teach two days a week now because it's difficult for me to, to, to get that many more students than that because, yeah. because the internet is such a wonderful thing. And I've come to embrace it. it. It's come to be like, it's a wonderful resource. Let's face it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of very valuable information. Um, there's a lot of misinformation. Sure. Um, but there's also, it's that same problem again, though. Everything's kind of scattered. You watch this guy for five minutes show you this riff or, or this theory concept, but it has no way to rest in the greater body of information that you, you have. So um, people still, they'll go online and they'll try to learn to play the guitar from the internet and some people will have a measure of success some people that's all they need but there's a lot of people who realize they're not going to get to where they want just by watching youtube videos so they call me on the phone and i right now i'm i'm i can fill up like two days i'm i probably have like 20 18 to 20 students right now and frankly that's enough like i say i i have to worry about burning out if i do too many. Sure. I, I don't take young kids anymore. Um, I just have a more adult way of teaching music. I'll take kids if they're over 12. Um, but uh, right now in Sandwich, I have a huge clientele of like retired guys that uh, oh, yeah. they're always wanted to learn the guitar and now they're retired and they've got the time. So they sign up for some lessons. And- yeah. What's well, interesting how the uh how the, the the technological age has really changed music, oh, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I can't even imagine being a performing musician or I shouldn't even how do I want to say that? Like a like if I was in a rock band, like I have a former student. If if this were the eighties, he'd be a millionaire. I really believe it. Yeah. Because his band is that good and he's that good of a singer. Yeah. And He's never, they're never going to be millionaires. Like, they're just not, you know? And he writes some good tunes, man. And I, I'm like, I, I'm in awe when I hear the recordings that they're making. And I'm like, if it was back in the day, you would hear their music on the radio. Right. And you had to get a recording and contract. You have gotten a recording contract. Yep. But now it's like the way, the way that people produce their music they put it out there and the way it gets popular is so different i it's it's incredible to me like i can't even imagine right i mean like what's the latest rock band that you've heard that's really making a lot of noise straight ahead rock band i guess the big one now is foo fighters yeah (laughs) they've been around for 20 something years Oh, I don't know whether it's been that long, but uh, isn't it? Uh, Almost twenty years. It's maybe be. is it? Uh, yeah, and then there's like, geez, uh, there, there's a bunch of them. Uh, of course, there's there metal is is a huge thing. Uh, uh, but I'm just saying, it's still like there's very few popular rock bands right now. It's like rock now is almost country. Yeah, do you know what Con- I mean? Like, or country is now rock. Is, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's really funny how that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's wow the music is it's weird how things change you know and so like how your lessons have changed and how like you know I've had students get have a really quality lesson actually with someone on Skype <laughs> you know like yep are, yep yep what are the chances of that you know and how he even came across I don't even know how he came across that guy yeah no clue huh um um. So a couple questions I always ask my guests. Um, one, what are your top top few musical moments ever in your life? Hmm. Uh, well, like for example, that that Larry Coryell uh, that Larry Coryell concert was a was a pivotal. Oh, yeah. And and for example, uh, I mentioned Ralph Towner before. Uh, another one of my um, great musical nights. I was still in college. I think it was my senior year. And um, my same then girlfriend said, we got to go up to Springfield tonight. There's a uh, concert in Springfield, um, Triple Bill, um, Gary Burton Quintet, um, Keith Jarrett, and Oregon. 
And I'd, I'd, wow. heard, I'd heard plenty of stuff by uh, Keith Jarrett and Gary Burton uh, by then, but I'd never heard of Oregon before. And, um, but, you know, they, they were the third act and the curtains open and out come these three scruffy, hippie-looking guys that sit down in this mass of, of strange instruments and hand percussion stuff, and they just killed. You know, and... Uh, uh, I, I fall just short of calling myself an Oregon fan um, because what I really am is a Ralph Towner fan. There's a lot of Oregon stuff that I don't care about at all, but Ralph, I think, is one of the, the great unsung composers of the 20th and 21st century. His uh, harmonizations of these interesting chord progressions are just, you go, how the hell did he think to do that? Um, I, I, it's funny, I had never heard of Oregon but in for a, a couple years, I had a serious, like serious, uh, what a uh, satellite radio yeah, yep. subscription, and I'd put it on jazz or something, and Oregon would come up. Yep, yep. Or or I, I would just be listening, and I'd hear this tune and be like, "Oh, this is really hip, man!" And I'd be like, "Oregon." Yep. It's like Oregon. Yeah. And and that's 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 the only time I. That's how I in my head I'm like. I I couldn't name an Oregon song. I didn't I didn't know who. I'll, I'll tell you a, a yeah. uh, tell you a very uh, f- uh, interesting story about that. Um, there is a piece of music that people of a certain age uh, 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 know, and I always play it for one of my students to see if, if they recognize it. Um, it's a piece called Icarus, and it's actually in the real book, and oh. it was made yeah. famous by the Paul Winter Consort. And uh, do you know that piece of the cello? I know I've seen it in the real book, though. Yeah, it was a it was a hit. As a matter of fact, the album that it was on was album of the year in like instrumental album of the year in like 1970 at the Grammys, and it was produced by um, uh, oh, his name just went out of my head. Um, George Martin, the Beatles producer, okay. George Martin, uh, who said it was one of his favorite albums that he ever produced, uh, even despite the Beatles. Um, and at that time, Ralph was a member of uh, the Paul Winter Consort, and he and everybody associates that piece with Paul Winter, but it was actually written by Ralph Towner, as a matter oh, of fact. There you and, go. And it, wow. like I say, it's in the real book. It's. It, 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 I bet if you hear it, you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that right. thing. And uh, a wonderful piece. He's come so far beyond that, but that was like what he was doing in this back in the early seventies. And uh, uh, so uh, now, in my performance, uh, my own musical performance life, uh, we've had a lot of wonderful concerts with the X Ensemble. Um, our last one, we we haven't played out now since before the pandemic. Our last show was in uh, Mashpee Community Park uh, down the way there. Yeah. Yep. And that was uh, just before the pandemic hit, the end of that summer. And that's what we always like to do, play outdoor gazebo kind of gigs. Yeah. And uh, But it's always been hard for us to, as I mentioned to you before, it's always been hard for us to find venues because, uh, you know, it's all original mm-hmm. music that isn't necessarily 100% accessible to people. Yeah, uh, sure. We, we certainly have stuff that is. I always say our, our repertoire is uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous, uh, all wrapped in, into one. <laughs> have, and, you, uh, have you ever tried recording? Any, have you ever done any recordings? Or no. Out there this is the funniest thing. People ask me that all the time, and, and I've always gone... I'm not really ready yet. You know, the music is so improvisational that I I feel like I don't necessarily want what I did last year following me around. Yeah, uh, sure. That I'd, I'd like to wait till it, it's really fully realized. And, and it, it pretty much is at this point. This is the best band I've ever had that we have right now. And that's why we're going to do this um, uh, concert recording uh, in March. Um, uh, my percussionist is a... Uh, a graduate of uh, UMass with degree in percussion. Uh, um, our keyboard player is a wonderful uh, jazz pianist uh, named um, Brian Lamont, and Burke, of course, Burke McKelvey playing woodwinds. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Ozzy Osbourne is the bass player in my band. His, his, his he's John Osbourne, of course, but everybody calls him Ozzy. We actually call him Oz. But, yeah, uh, even better. So I created a monster. He was a student of mine. Like, oh, I don't know. 
12 years ago or something oh, wow. like that. He's developed into a wonderful bass player. And the guitar player, uh, our guitar player, is, is a current student of mine, Graham Werner, who's a, a very advanced, wonderful player. And we just have so much fun playing together. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a gas. Oh, and, wonderful. Yeah, doing this. Uh, it's kind of like you, we're you ready now. you you're going to record it? That's yeah. Like a, yep. So this is like, like big first concert since the pandemic, and you're going to live record it like yep, how yep. uh you have like the whole thought process like, uh, like oh it's driving me crazy uh, i have so much stuff i have to figure out about it um yeah. uh building a set uh, we're going to shoot it at graham has a big space in his uh studio in uh yarmouth port we're going to build a set and do all the lighting and everything ourselves um, oh wow i've done a lot of that I've, I've done a lot of work in video before too so of course you know my my whole uh absolutely understand guitar was a big mm-hmm. production video production thing so wow and wow so well, that's that's incredible uh i can't so that's in march yep yep and, and where is that gonna happen uh it, i say it's a concert but it, it, we're not gonna have an audience oh, uh, that uh, originally we were gonna do that but then the logistics of it just got to be so all right so you're just gonna like is it gonna be a live stream or gonna, is it it's going to be a live, um, just a live per- recorded live, live performance. Oh. There'll be a small audience there, but wonderful! Um, oh, incredible! Yeah, I can't wait to be invited. It's just it, it, at this point, it, it, at this point, well, actually, you're 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 welcome to come. Uh, we're going to need all the help we can get too. Um, as a matter of fact, it's funny. Tomorrow night is our first staff meeting, and um, the 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 woman who's going to direct it is the woman who did my uh, all my guitar videos too, Susie Reed who's uh, done a lot of marvelous work in the area, um, public access and um, uh, producer and yep. you know, all the Cape stations. and Neat. Well, let me ask you this. I sort of feel like I have an, uh, an idea of this answer, but what, when you're, you're in the, uh, you're, you're driving home after this, what, uh, what are you listening to these days? Oh, it's funny. I, I don't listen to a lot of music these days. It, it's, um, it, I, I spend so much time either um, working with my own material or working with my students that I, I've come to really value silence. You are, and, not, you are not the first person on, that, <laughs> on the podcast to say that, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, particularly uh, if I'm going to listen to music, it, it has to be like good quality music, and I, I don't mean I don't mean like good music. I mean it has to be on a, on a sound system. I I, I I I never listen to music in in my van because it's just got a crappy sound system, and and I, I can't believe people spend so much time listening to music on their phones. You know, you can't hear the bass at, at all. You know, me, I I, I want to be at home and I want to have my nice stereo system on, and and then I listen to classical music all the time. Still to this day i like i particularly like modernist uh classical music um and then of course i listen to the jazz stuff um so like like modern like uh like adam's glass that type of thing uh Uh, i I couldn't even tell you the names because they're not the kind of household names but uh i have a subscription to a um uh, what's it called classical radio or something like that and you can pick different genres and you you can pick you can pick different um, eras. So, for example, I can pick 21st century right. music, and I don't recognize any of their names, and right, they don't sure. stick in my head or anything. But, right, uh, yeah. but I find that more interesting than you know the the uh, the old school stuff has kind of been there, done that. I, I don't yeah. I don't need to listen to Beethoven anymore. Uh, yeah. I, I've always been that way. I, I don't spend a lot of time listening to the same music over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd never been that way. If, if I'm going to listen to music, I want to hear something that I haven't heard before. Yeah. So I've, I've never had a very big recorded music library. Uh, I, I'll, I'll put on the radio or nowadays I'll put on some kind of streaming service. And, yeah. uh, uh, Pandora. I listen to Pandora a lot. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, I should say a lot here. I say, I don't listen to much music at all, but when I listen to music, sure. I'm listening to a streaming service or Pandora or whatever. And, Pandora is nice because you can type in, you know, a, a genre or an artist and they'll play music you haven't heard before by people that have the, yes. their music is of the same kind of yeah, characteristics. It's funny, as much as I like Spotify, because, you know, if I think of a song, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that in a long time. Type it in and I can play it at the tip of my fingers. Pandora, like if you just want random stuff to come up, Pandora's algorithm is far superior. Like if I type in, you know, 
the police radio station. Yep. I, I, I'm going to get a lot of stuff that sounds very similar to the police. It's going to be really cool and very similar. And and you, maybe people you haven't heard of before. I haven't heard of. And yep. I love, I love that um, about Pandora specifically for that reason. I feel like it's very different. Like, you know, that their radio stations for whatever, for lack of a better term is, uh, that's that, that's where I really like that about Pandora. Yeah, I just discovered a band recently that blew my mind. It was it was um it's the worst band name I've ever heard called Carnivool. Carnivool? Carnivool. Oh. And um <laughs> you know, and there's you know, the, the tune that I hear, I'm like, I can't figure out the time signature on this thing. And it took it took me a good strong week of on and off listening to it before I finally figured out the time signature but it was like really good sort of like Rush meets uh, Ozzy Osbourne meets um, yeah it was like Heavy Metal meets Tool a little bit maybe I don't know and I'm not really into Tool but whatever this was it it was really and there's like a few tunes I have on like I've been wearing out and then, but I, that's I was, where I was thinking of that is because I tend to like, I'm going to wear out these three tunes that I've just heard from this new new band to me. Yep. They've been out forever, but I've never heard of them. And uh, I'm going to wear them out because they're new to me and I'm in the need for new music right now. Mm-hmm. And then in a week or two, I'm going to be like, I'm out of music. I need something need new. Need something new. Yeah, I need yep. something new. So I have to like just experience experience some old stuff like that Joni Mitchell concert like experience something that I didn't know was out there and like wow mind blown you know <laughs> yeah the, the, uh, we tend to be kind of siloed so much of the time in our in our generational music and stuff um, that it, it takes it takes like some I might even use the word courage to kind of break out of that and and uh, and accept things that maybe your peer group thinks you'd be silly to listen to or something like like if a, a heavy metal kid all of a sudden starts listening to opera or something you know yeah i mean my i mean if i went down like the playlist that i have my thing it's like you know i have big band jazz you know i have concert band music mm-hmm. and i have uh heavy metal i have i have uh you know from my like i love i still to this day love listening to a really beautifully constructed melody by Steve Vai or Joe Satriani. Oh, sure. I I, I actually went to see Steve Vai live last year. Oh, no fooling. Uh, unbelievable. Just uh, talk about a master of his craft. Yeah, a monster. But, uh, uh, just unbelievable. And uh, just, he's always pushing his own envelope, envelope too. Like, you know, I mean, he still plays some of his older stuff because, you know, yeah, yeah. people want to hear, hear some of that stuff. But... You can tell he doesn't want to play. I don't think he wants to play. I think he wants to just, you know, he's inventing new instruments to try and see what else he can do. Have you seen the latest instrument he's made? No. It's like, it's like, it's got like a a bass, a 12 string and an electric guitar. I think it's got like three net. It's crazy. (laughs) And he like wrote a tune to feature it. And it's, it's out of this, it reminds me of like your picture with the six arms. Oh yeah. Because yeah. like it's almost like he didn't want to have it, but he like wrote a tune so like he could play like some open strings on the bass and go like boom chord on the twelfth string. Wow. You know, it was really cool. Like he's just a neat dude. Yeah. You know? No, I've I always have a lot of respect for Steve. Some of the other people that I've I've discovered lately they're kind of out of that genre. Do you know Greg Howe? No. Check out Greg Howe. Oh my God, he's sick. So so fast and so technical, yet so musical at the oh, same yeah. time. It really remarkable. And uh, Guthrie Govan is another one hmm. that uh, I'm always always looking for new music. Yep. Yeah. Greg Howe. Shredder. What was that one? Shredder's, um, uh, Guthrie Govan. Guthrie Govan. Okay. All right. And I just guitar players with melodies yep. and. Yeah, 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 I can do it. Kayaking? You still kayaking? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. That's so great. That seems to be. How long have you been doing that? Since 1990, I, I bought my first boat in 1990, oh. and um, been doing it ever since. Oh, that's so yeah. that's so wonderful. I just I, I love seeing all the 
nice pictures you put on Facebook up there. And I, my, my wife, uh, Jeannie, has become a fanatic uh, a sea kayaker, and so we're out there in our boats all the time, even in the winter, although we haven't been out now since uh, we were out New Year's Day. We have a traditional New Year's Day paddle every year, weather permitting, yep. and, um, and we got out again this year. Oh, that's I, great. We pull up somewhere, and I, I, on the beach, I, with, I scratched like happy 2024 in the sand, and we take a picture and uh, send it off on you on uh, Facebook and also. Yeah, hey Scotty, I appreciate you coming here, man. Oh, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, no, it, so nice great to, to see up. you and yeah. and all the success you've had and uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Ah, oh, thank you, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Everything Music Ed podcast. Be sure to check out future episodes as we talk to other educators from different teaching environments and cover areas of instruction such as concert band, jazz band, marching band, chorus, orchestra, general music, music tech, special needs, and much more. The theme music for the Everything Music Ed podcast is Jig, composed and arranged by Wally Minko. Jig is performed by Wayne Bergeron, and can be found on his album, Full Circle. The Everything Music Ed podcast logo was created by Sarah Goulart.